Thanks for tuning in Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop. We're with comic Erica Switzer. Erica Switzer, how the hell are you? Pretty damn good, Brian. How are you? I set the tone with how the hell are you and say pretty damn good. I think you you understood the assignment. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, we follow Erica Switzer everywhere. It's so funny because on, on Twitter, though, this is so funny. I was like, I follow Erica Switzer. Why am I not seeing her on search? It's because the Erica Switzer, which is the Twitter handle, is currently named Steezy Jefferson. That's <laughs> I love that. But also, yeah, Erica Switzer on Instagram. Erica Switzer has a link tree, which is full of her comedy content. So that's great. And then Erica Switzer is so big on YouTube that if you type in youtube.com slash C slash C Erica Switzer, it's like it doesn't have one of those like long ass YouTube things. I mean, you have so many subscribers that you got your own personal neck of the woods and on YouTube, don't you? Thank goodness. I just need 500 more subscribers and we'll be talking about that YouTube money. Oh, yeah. So you need, a th- what, a thousand to start getting paid? Yeah, that's a stretch, but it's... <laughs> I think people are getting paid for less. You know what I'm saying? Like, really? Like, the, some of these people, do they really deserve a thousand followers for the crap that they do? They review a, a meal or something. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I would, you know, I thought about that. I was out in... In China, and I saw all these mukbangs getting popular. Yes. All and I was like, okay, so you mean to tell me I got to go down to the 7-Eleven down to my apartment and go buy the spiciest ramen. And yeah. then people pay attention to me instead of <laughs> on a stage and talk about that one time I had real bad hot pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that brings us to our first topic, which is China. And it's just like I see here on Erica Switzer on YouTube. It says, a comedian Erica Switzer tells it like it is, as a Black woman teaching, Black woman teaching, dating, and living in China pre and during the pandemic. And pre-pod, you told me that you were in Shanghai, China during the entirety of the Trump administration. Was that by design? Let's just say (laughs) on November 8th, 2016, elected. And I was officially touching down on November 27th. <laughs> You're the first person to actually follow through on the threat to leave the country if X person gets elected. And I did. And I stayed <laughs> in July of 2020. So Wow. Because wow. before that, there was uh, Barack Obama. Did you like him slightly better? I mean, I'm in Chicago, so I, I kind of have to by choice. <laughs> Okay. you know my, my residence but uh no nah, he was a cool dude he came and spoke at my college unfortunately i was gone that day because i what? was off one half a bender um but i regretted uh missing out on that great speech can you believe that the the one well one of the days you miss on a what on a bender like barack obama comes in and speaks and i'm sitting here driving somebody around after they've decided to have 12 pbrs you know oh, no it was rough, but that was my life back then. <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you broke up on Zoom, but whose bender was it? You're saying you were driving around somebody else who was who was on their PBR bender, or were you uh, were you drunk yourself? They were on the PBR bender. Oh, I was- it's yeah, it's good. I it's good. I clarified that. So you you being a kind friend means you met, you miss Barack Obama. Was was he president at the time, or was it was it pre? It was like senator or congressman? Congressman? He was, he was a senator at the time, and oh, this wow. was book came out you know as for 
though. I miss the, the, the audacity of hope, the audacity of helping your friend with a PBR bender. I had the audacity to go get some ass while <laughs> I was talking, you know, to our college constituents. I, uh, I regret. <laughs> that's great. And so, yes, yeah, so tell me about your experience in China. Were you doing comedy over there, first of all? Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. It's kind of, you know, you don't think of going to the Middle Kingdom when you think of laughs. But yeah. uh, before I left, because they make it so hard for you to even get a visa to go over there, you got a <laughs> PhD. And uh, I was like, well, I got a master's and I'm a teaching kids, but I'm gonna do some other stuff. So I made sure I was on the docket. And uh, I started my stand up career in Shanghai. Did you? And so, like, you know, are they just, uh, they still gobble up the English language comedy? So we had, we'd always had a bit of a scene in Shanghai. There was a Shanghai Comedy Club, which opened back in the day after Kung Fu Comedy Club opened. And uh, so at that time, a great name, isn't it? There's also <laughs> in New York, so... Um, it was great cutting my teeth there doing open mics and there was always an international crowd. Uh, so there's always people hungry for, for comedy and English. And then we had a bit of a drought uh, when the pandemic hit, um, all the, com- well, most of the major clubs have closed up yeah. uh, doing pop-up shows. And then there was a drought. And so my buddy over there has just started, uh, working with the government bureaus and getting comedy scripts, also known as our sets, uh, uh, past uh, cultural bureau and places uh, that, you know, have power like that. So now they're able to start doing official English shows again. Are you saying, like, so back in the day, I mean, you were doing open mics and stuff, but did you also have to, like, did you do an actual show or did it have to get vetted? You know, did the script have to get vetted just like it does now? We were doing a whole bunch of stuff without getting scripts ran by folks. So we're clear about that, that we'd always had a comedy scene. Freedom of speech is not something that's uh, favored over in that part of the world. So those kind of things are always looked at as a threat, wherever you can get a gathering of people who may be speaking, especially on a microphone. So wow. uh, we operate and we would operate in venues that were kind of safe from those uh, things or that had some pool. Uh, in China, it's all about what you know and who you know for the most part so we were able to do our thing but it was just i didn't start getting hit with the hey can you submit a script until around the last year i was there to a new big venue with some uh interesting elite ownership and so it was like yeah well i'm not used to it but i'll do give you my script and i'll give you everybody else who's going to perform scripts and we're going to perform so and did did it pass script yeah, we passed wow. a lot of times. Me and the comics would go a little bit off script, but it would still be enough. Oh. Nobody would say anything. It's now, not like they have people watching in the audience, right? For the most part. We there, yeah, there was always that. There was always that threat of if somebody doesn't like a joke that's said, finds offense with it, feels like they're getting picked on, they could make a call and stuff could get shut down. So it was oh. all you know, yeah, so it's on. almost like making a kiss staying in the owner's good graces too because he could just lie through his fucking teeth <laughs> like if he's like i don't know erica she just went off script i don't know and really they, it's because you demanded pay or something <laughs> well they thankfully they were on our side and they paid okay. and we yeah. did all right over there and then i had to go and then we weren't able to do the shows over there anymore <laughs> but uh nevertheless um i still had a show under my flagship brand happen 
even like six months after I left. So I knew I did something right and, and people enjoyed what we were doing and producing. So there's that. And so how, I mean, how did you, you know, it says it's when you say it's who you know over there. I'm just like, wow, well, how, how the hell did Erica Switzer get to know the right people where you could do the most street hustle thing imaginable, not only kicking it in China with English language comedy, but then doing it in kind of, speakeasy like rooms <laughs> off the grid rooms where like you were doing it without submitting your scripts like how did you meet all these people so let's just say the fortune favors the brave okay um, being able to go do comedy over there uh, getting showcased featuring i was able to meet a whole bunch of american comics uk comics badass comics that you know and love yeah. and uh, you know, I'm here in this position. I'm able to meet these people and do this thing. And I'm just going to keep my journey pushing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we always had a nice band of comics and uh, producers. So, you know, it wasn't like it, the only thing that was ever holding us back was the, the government, obviously. Okay. But just, you know, you come back over here and I mean, our comedy audience is the same. Are they different? Like, is the way you run a show different? I mean, there's no more scripts. So Erica Switzer is now off script. <laughs> and so if they, if they thought you were saying some cool things on stage before, look at you now. So kind of has your comedy grown even bolder since you left China? Absolutely. Without question, because I was always there doing my style of comedy. I was always doing American, Black American comedy. I never really dumbed down my language. Maybe there were some, one of my favorite jokes that I've just reposted a reel. Um, I teach my kids the word fena. Okay. That's my duty as an American English teacher. And there's jokes like that. Wait, did you say, you say felon? Fem no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I, that word broke up. Say that word again. Fena, F-I-N-A. Okay. F-I-N-N-A? -N -N yeah. Ah, so who are you teaching Fena to? Teaching Fena to my French kids. Oh, that's, kids. did you say French kids? Yeah. Well, why are you, are you teaching French kids? So the first yeah, tell time, me, explain and unpack some of this because this is great. So Fena, right. why you why you teach? So over here in America, you teach the French kids? No, so in okay. China, I was able to teach. Unfortunately, here in the states, I'm missing one significant thing to teach, which would oh. be an Illinois state certificate. Oh gosh, a master's in English literature. <sighs> and so I was able to teach the first couple of years there. I taught. Um, local kids, Chinese kids, Taiwanese, you know, like uh, national kids um, in an after-school program. So they were boosting and enriching their language and their parents wanted them to have an American accent. So I did that. The second two years, I was at the uh, French International School there. Okay. So those were straight up French kids that knew, had a good command of English, some a great command of English. Okay. Um, and since, again, I was teaching them American English, their parents want them to, you know, <laughs> all the Tom Sawyer and, and uh, oh, uh, no. great things. I'm teaching them, but I'm also <laughs> teaching the word finna. <laughs> <laughs> and so where, where was the French International School? What country? The French in Shanghai. Okay. Wow. Okay. This is all new. This is all new, new to me. This is great. And I was talking to you when I was interviewing a comic, like when COVID was striking. I think she was, I don't know, tutoring kids, maybe tutoring kids remotely in 
Asia? And she was like, yeah, it's no joke over there. It's no joke. Like people are masking up and stuff like that. So what was your experience with COVID um, over there? I know it shut down comedy, but as far as kind of how they treated it and, and to the extent that they locked it down. When they said they locked it down, they locked it down for real, for real. Yeah. When it first hit, we had rumblings that something was going on. It was it was more impactful than just your regular flu. And it wasn't quite pneumonia, but it was something going on, taking folks out. And um, then we heard about, you know, the doctor who was shunned and then later became a martyr after he died from it. And then oh, no. telling us, hey, guys, uh, we're having, you know, we're getting ready to go for a break for Chinese New Year. And it, one of the administrators says, guys, get ready to come back online when we resume classes. So we knew something was up. Yeah. And then, you know, during that week, Kobe died. And, you know, I had a funeral for um, my, you know, great aunt who passed away. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, guys, COVID's here. <laughs> oh, no. Kobe. Oh, my gosh. Kobe and then a relative and then COVID, my lord. And I'm, I'm in my room going stir crazy. I'm in a tiny tinderbox Shanghai apartment. When you guys look at videos and movies about Hong Kong apartments and how tiny they are, this is about a tenth bigger than that. So I'm going stir crazy in there, chain smoking Korean orange flavor <laughs> window. Like, damn this, I don't care if it's airborne, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, oh my gosh. The ticket prices had gone up exponentially. It cost me $450 to, to go one way from Chicago to Shanghai nonstop. It was going to cost $3,600 for me to just to go home. Oh my this, gosh. And I waited, I went stir crazy. I cycled through every emotion every day. Talked to my boyfriend on Messenger. I was like, oh baby, I gotta get out of here, I gotta go. And I wound up getting a ticket for $900 one way still high rate robbery yeah <laughs> and went home for um from valentine's day until a little bit after saint patrick's day 2020 and you didn't think and that maybe you could you should just stay there because what you I, had a job over in china and you were enjoying stand-up comedy you know i started thinking man all them clothes and stuff in there that's all h&m china anyway i could let that go if i never had to go <laughs> with that there's nothing else in there uh, there's some rocks a himalayan salt lamp there's nothing but you know i i around uh, st patrick's day the administration for the school sent another email and said hey for all of our staff outside of china you might want to get your ass back over here they're finna go closing the borders again so uh. i had to go back and then i i was faced with finishing the last three months of school over there and then um i was not necessarily the favorite teacher in the english department but i was effective as i yeah. said i finna i <laughs> gamify learning to make it uh more fun for the kids and so they could really like soak up things i had yeah. kids who were not doing so great on their standardized testing the year before, come back this year and knock it out the park in spite of it all. I had other kids excelling and then they're like, uh, Miss Witzer, so I know this has not been the best year, but uh, here's a five-year contract extension. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> y'all want me for five years at this rate? I mean, yeah. it was money, man. You know, they don't pay teachers here, shit over yeah. there. It's, it was it's, like it's quite a I bit mean, of money over there 
we were grading on rooftops at the W with brunch and bubbly flowing. Like, <laughs> it was a ball. So I was thinking, man, I could do this. But no, nah, I made the decision to go ahead, come here, fall in love, keep doing comedy. <laughs> okay. And then you're like, you know, teaching you can't do because it's, well, at least you, know, you don't have the certificate. Does that mean you can teach nowhere at no level? I could go get an adjunct professor role somewhere okay. at a college. $50 a, a course, oh, but I, I'm not even trying to go back to the education route yet. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm good. And I make as much money in comedy. Probably. I got to make this look, I got to make this comedy money so I can pay Sally Mays ass and get her off. Ah, my ass. That bitch. Sally Mays a bitch. She is Sally. Yeah, Sally Mays people who don't know Sally Mays a, a student loan servicing company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I went to, I went to law school and let me tell you, I haven't talked to Sally Mays since I'm not paying that shit back. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then they had scandals and shit. Sally May and all that. It's just like, get your house in order. I'm not going to pay you back until, until Sally May, you get your shit in order. Okay. So, so as far as like the stuff you're talking about on a stage, like you lived it. Like, so is this kind of, is this what you're bringing to the stage and how a comedy audience has changed? Like, are they too woke for you? You know, were the people over there pretty well behaved and here you're doing more crowd control? How, how has everything differed in comedy for you between China and America? There was something that was super easy about doing comedy over there. Which, <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, people would be like, well, who's coming to see you, Chinese folks? And I'm like, yeah, obviously. So, but any given time, you might have an audience of half locals and four guys from the UK out in, in that corner, three girls from Germany right here, a couple guys from Russia. So what you're doing is trying to speak to the common denominator, obviously, and use, you know, the best English you can to get to the joke. Yeah. And it was it was fun. It, it really helped me with, um, I love doing crowd work over there. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> What was their reaction to being put on the spot? Did they enjoy it? For the most part, they were pretty good with it. For the most part. I saw some comedy go wrong with certain <laughs> work over there. But I was like, yeah, he did that. I'm not doing that. We're <laughs> <laughs> you learn from other comedies airs, right? Absolutely. So there, you know, you get the whole thing of don't talk about the four T's. And of course, I'm not going to sit there and talk about any of the four T's that are forbidden. And what uh, are the four T's for us that don't know? Tiananmen, Tibet, Taiwan. And I always forget the last one. Oh, no, she forgets the last one. Oh, shit, I forgot the last one. Oh, I'm missing the four T. It's Tibet or Tank Man. But either way, I'm not talking about that when I'm talking about twerking. I'm not doing, you know. Uh, so I loved being able to have that bit of freedom and then coming here, then it's like, well, I grew up on a living color and there's no way I'm making a living color type jokes on this stage, but I'm going to push the, I'm going to push it. I'll push the line. Okay. So and what, what can you push? Like I so said, you're, you're producing shows over here too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what kind of comics are you bringing on stage? And uh, is it, I mean, is the common through line, is it just the person has to be funny or does push, the person have to push the envelope too? One of the common through lines for me, you have to be funny, but you have to bring something unique. You have to have a unique voice. So over there in Shanghai, I was fortunate to uh, co-found Blackout Comedy and start up Hey Now Comedy. And it was mostly Black American comedians. It was just us expats that just happened to be there. It happened to be really funny and working these jokes out. So we had a great time in that. And then I was trying to bring that same sense of fun here because we were bringing Def Jam vibes. 
in the middle of Shanghai where people wouldn't expect it, but the expat crowds and some of the local folks love what we did. Yeah. So I started to bring that here. And now I bring together lineups which might normally work together. So for example, I had a show, my last show, I had a comic by the name of Teddy Biggums who's oh, yeah. going to find my show this next Saturday coming up. Teddy's hilarious. He's open for Ballhead Phillips, a local funny guy. He's open for J. Anthony Brown, B. Cole, another funny local guy. But then he's never worked until that night with Ray Wisbrock. Mm-hmm. Ray Wisbrock is older Anthony Jesselneck. He has a <laughs> he, he goes in and just, I love seeing the reactions he gets from the crowd. So the two of these men work together for the first time on my show and they they got together really nice and hopefully they'll be on for future shows together. But that's my point. If somebody's got this real cool standout vibe, if somebody's got this real cool style that they do, um, I like bringing them up. Yeah, I see Derek, I see Derek J on there. I was talking to him earlier. Are you on his uh, Laughs in Lakeview show? I have not. You know what? Derek is my guy. He's my road dog. We've uh, done so many shows over the past couple of years together. Uh, and he was actually on that show I'm telling you about with Ray and Teddy. But um, no, I need to get over to Laughs and Lakeview and go show some love. Yeah, that, that was my that was my place. Yeah, and he he was saying that it was a good show because like it's you know it's in Lakeview, of course, so you're gonna have some white people there. And so like if you want to find out if your audience works in front of you know mixed audience, like that's a good opportunity to do it. But yeah, yeah, I saw his face on here, and I also see that you did uh. UG, UG comedy show with Todd Montesi and Chris Griggs. In, yeah. Did you do that in New York or was yeah, that I, Zoom or something? I did that up in New York. I was oh, there for nice. Comedy Laugh Fest and just happened to be heading up this street with one of my roommates and I saw Todd and I'm like, hey, Todd. He's like, hey, Erica, want to get on my show? <laughs> I think, uh, did you get the, because I see here, were you on his PN and Friends? Where did you get a uh, IMDB credit? Did you get on his uh, television show, Todd, Todd yep. show? Yep, I was on the PN and Friends episode with uh, Giuliani and the Mooch. <laughs> oh, dude, I was so, I mean, when he used those, why he used, so he actually had Giuliani, what, a, what was the name, Richard, M- I forgot, it's a Trump guy, right? New- the Mooch, yes, yeah. the Mooch-y. <laughs> and so he, what was that play where you could actually pay people to get Giuliani? What's that, what's that thing called? Cameo. What is it? Cameo. Oh yeah, cameo. I was like, oh my lord, like you get to have like Chuck Norris and you're fucking showing all this. And he's like, yeah, man. It's like, man, we we just uh we never had that when we were growing up. But it's but then it, on the other hand, it's a little sad to see Giuliani fucking shilling for a couple bucks, you know. Right. <laughs> but if you're gonna be on piano, like that's the only way to do it though. It's, it's to do like I need this guy in my show, on my actual fictional show. So this will be a funny way to do it. But that's so funny. Like Erica Switzer's performing with all the biggest names. I, I follow Erica Switzer. I mean, type in Steezy Jefferson, but it's the <laughs> Erica Switzer. And I'm gonna be retweeting all her funny stuff. I've retweeted some stuff already, but also the link tree, Erica Switzer. So what are the biggest shows you got coming? Like, are you hitting the road? You said hey, he's your road dog. So are you touring all over the Midwest or just everywhere because you go back to shanghai and you've been in new york Ooh, i would only go back to shanghai if a if a black female headliner was gonna go through Ah. or unless they was gonna pay me real nice otherwise i don't have a reason to go back i got tired of of putting on shows and getting paid 50 rmb and warm beer so i mean you get paid as the teacher they don't pay their comedians that well huh that's what that's what it was weird right they, they mean I, like you get paid as a teacher like you know i'm, I'm teaching people how to laugh right exactly so I could, <laughs> the 
then on top of that, I felt like, especially for the last two years I was there, I never really paid for drinks. Ah. Ever. Because they always bought you drinks. Uh-huh. It's a good racket. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, Erica Switzer, we, I mean, we follow you everywhere. You've been hilarious today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brian.